Good evening, everybody. This is Forward Maryland. Today is Wednesday evening, December 4th, 2019. My name is Bill Woodcock, and here's what's on my mind. Uh, a few things today. Um, first off, in case I sound odd or odder than normal, uh, I'm a little bit under the weather. Um, did not uh, feel well last night and uh, stayed home from work today and uh, just kind of chilled out. Uh, slept during the day, which I hardly ever do, um, but I do believe I am suffering from a case of gastroenteritis, which... Um, those of you may know, is the stomach flu. So we'll uh, try to keep things uh, brief and concise today, which is not always my strong suit. So first thing, uh, I would like to announce that on Sunday's episode of this fine uh, podcast experience, Jason Booms and I will be talking with Mr. Ward Morrow. Uh, Ward is a longtime Democratic activist in the state of Maryland, uh, somebody I became uh, familiar with over 25 years ago with the Maryland Young Democrats and uh, most recently ran for the Maryland House of Delegates in, um, I believe it was in 2014. Uh, he ran in the, uh, the then what was called District uh, 9A. So um, we're going to find out a little bit more of what he's up to and how he sees the current political climate in the state of Maryland and also nationally. And there have been some changes in the state of Maryland uh, over the past week. Two uh, Maryland state senators have announced their retirement uh, prior to the beginning of the next session that starts in January. Uh, Senator Shirley Nathan Pulliam uh, last, late last week uh, announced her retirement, and then Senator Bobby Zirkin uh, this week announced his retirement next month. And uh, it's a little bit of sadness that um, we say goodbye to Senator Zirkin. I have known him for quite a while, um, you know, in fact, got him uh, involved. Uh, with the Maryland Young Democrats, an organization he soon took over and uh, took to uh, new heights that um, it really had not seen uh, before. Um, and as a former state chair of that organization, I'm not ashamed to say that. And uh, heights that it has really not seen since. Uh, and uh, so... Um, he did a great job uh, with that organization and uh, turned his experience there into a, a seat in the Maryland General Assembly. And it is sad to see that after a 21-year career that he's decided to hang it up. Uh, still a very young man, so who knows what the future may hold for him. But uh, thank you, Bobby, for your service and for all your contributions uh, to the state of Maryland. Also, uh, this past week saw two candidates drop out of the presidential race uh, on the Democratic side. Uh, Montana Governor Steve Bullock, uh, who had made one debate stage but then uh, never really took off, which is very odd, a red state, successful red state governor who's won two terms, and uh, Senator Kamala Harris. And... Uh, I was never the biggest fan of Senator Harris. Um, she, after her um, 
after her debut, um, she was one of the ones who I was interested in. She was definitely on my short list. Um, my view of her kind of changed after her, uh, her uh, I guess it's safe to say, surprise attack on Joe Biden about busing um, at the first debate. That was the famous, I was that little girl comment. Uh, when in reality, her position on busing and her votes on busing were very much in line with those of former Vice President Biden. And um, to me, that, that showed a certain immaturity as a candidate, as if you're not going to get that figured out. And I realized the affinity towards Senator Harris as being the only, well, technically, well, not technically, uh, she is one of two uh, women of color uh, in the presidential race on the Democratic side. But who would have thought that Tulsi Gabbard would have been the one who would still be in the race? Um, so, you know, I'm hearing a lot of and reading a lot of angst and, and bitterness over the Internet of, you know, the the next debate stage next week is going to be all white and that's going to be terrible. Cory Booker's not going to make it onto the stage and he might drop out soon and soon there will be no women left. And first off, I, I don't think that the second thing is true. Uh, I think Elizabeth Warren will be in it until the end. And uh, either way, uh, either she'll win or she won't. Or, and I, again, my favorite, Senator Klobuchar, keeps hanging in there. And, uh, you know, she's she's uh, seems to be a lot of people's second choice, uh, but she needs to get over that hump and become people's first choice. So, uh, you know, she has been picking up some steam, but uh, not exactly eating away uh, at uh, at the uh, at Biden or or uh, Sanders or uh, Warren or Buttigieg. Um, you know, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, I, I think that the concept that there's only, there would be an all white stage is regrettable. Um, you know, I'm not sure what I think about, uh, an unfair amount of time being given to white candidates as opposed to candidates who are people of color. I, I believe that's true. I believe I can certainly see where um, where there would be reason to to um, to highlight this, um, but I would also say that I think that the Democratic coverage has been very misogynist, um, maybe even more so than racist. Um, you know, I, I think that all of the women candidates have needed more more attention, as opposed to when they say something, you know. Um, biting or sharp or, uh, in the case of two of the candidates, crazy. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, uh, this may just be all this much navel gazing because frankly, I am going to vote for a plastic cup over the current president. Um, going to vote for whoever and going to work for whoever wins the nomination. Um, but it would be good to, would be good if if uh, things were a little bit more fair and balanced, to coin a phrase. Although we can't exactly can't exactly control the uh, the whims of others, much less the uh, much less the American media. So 
closer to home, I had promised some Ravens takes uh, after uh, Sunday's game. I did not provide those takes after Sunday's game because it has taken an inordinately amount of time to get home from these football games. Um, the parking lot that I park in, Lot O, and I doubt anybody involved with the Ravens or the parking or the Baltimore police or the Maryland Stadium Authority are listening. Uh, but in case you are, uh, parking, getting out a lot of sucks. Um, the way I go to not go through um, traffic on Russell Street, which through those little neighborhoods is a bear, uh, I like I prefer to go out. Austin Street and the exit out of Lotto that exits on the Austin Street does not open for at least an hour after the game. However, I have left games early and that gate is open. So somewhere along the line, a conscious decision is made. I'm not sure by whom to shut that gate. And that doesn't make any sense to me. It would seem to me you'd want to get as many people out of there as quickly as you can. Uh, but you don't. As a result, uh, after having been in that uh, weather for about five hours as it was, or six hours as it was, wound up taking about two and a half hours to get home. So uh, that was a little bit ridiculous. So did not come into did not come in the door until six forty, and then. Uh, after unpacking and showering and catching up on the business of the day, uh, I, be, I will be quite honest with you, true believers, I was not much in a podcasting mood. And the podcast you would have heard, uh, you wouldn't have wanted to have heard. So uh, there is that. But what a terrific win for the Ravens. Uh, I will not say, you know, the Ravens won on not their best day. Uh, but I will say they won against a team that had a terrific game plan and had the personnel to stop the Ravens offense. And uh, I believe the rain also took our quarterback, uh, Lamar Jackson, and made him a little bit human. And even still, even though he only threw for 106 yards, or I think it was 108 yards, he still ran for 101. So, um, you know, we go to Buffalo on Sunday. Buffalo will be a hard game. It's a very uh, up-and-coming team. Uh, they may possibly uh, surpass the New England Patriots as AFC East champs this year. Uh, so we will see. It will not be an easy game for our Baltimore Ravens. But right now, the Ravens are 10-2. and two. They are not just the number one uh Team in the American Football Conference, which means as long as they keep winning, the road to the Super Bowl has to go through Baltimore, and we would have two home games in Baltimore, including the AFC Championship game. Uh, but uh, we are the number one team in all of pro football, uh, having beat uh, the widely uh, recognized numbers two, three, and four teams who are in no particular order. Seattle, uh, San Francisco, and New England. Some rankings have the the New Orleans Saints uh, ahead of us. I, you know, in that top five, like ahead of uh, the Patriots or even ahead of San Francisco. And uh, actually, I have to be honest. I I'm thinking the Super Bowl right now is going to be Baltimore and either Seattle or New Orleans. Um, I'm actually thinking New Orleans, 
especially if the playoffs wind up going there. And the, uh, the storyline of Lamar Jackson versus Drew Brees, I think, would be amazing. Um, the Saints have a very difficult team. They're very much a carbon copy of the Ravens. They are well coached. Um, of course, uh, the last Super Bowl the Ravens played in was played in New Orleans. So there's a little, there's a little uh, symmetry there. So we'll see how things transpire. We still have a long time to go. Technically, the Ravens haven't even qualified for the playoffs yet, but that's kind of hard to believe they won't. Uh, all right, everybody. Well, uh, I am at a close, uh, and uh, I hope you have enjoyed this, uh, this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed Forward Maryland for tonight. I hope you are having an amazing week. My name is Bill Woodcock. You have been listening to Forward Maryland. Take care. Have a good night, everybody.